Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's Coming Up Podcast. This episode is brought to you by... Oh my god, we have so many sponsors oh, today. I'm so good excited. Thing. Okay, first things first. This episode is brought to you by Rainbow... Rainbow Suspenders. Jesus Christ. Pretty cool way to keep uh, your pants up. We're also brought to you by KFSL. Fossil 103. Classic hits from ABBA to Zeppelin, comma, lead. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, also brought to you by uh, the music store Suicide Notes, formerly Good Vibrations, um, and also Mondo Frowno Magazine. Uh, we are also brought to you by the King Biscuit Flower Hour and the Us Festival, sponsored from that guy from Apple Computers. What computers? Uh, and <laughs> there's also, I wrote this down, uh, I, I, this is more of a, a tagline, eat Clark bars, uh, and then also uh, totally outrageous class rings from Jostens. Go Jostens. <laughs> so that wraps up all our sponsors this week. That makes me want to partay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, listeners, get ready for some well-supervised craziness while you rock out with Everything's Coming Up podcast, because this week we are talking about Homer Palooza. This is the 24th episode of the seventh season. It originally aired on May 19th, 1996. It was written by Brent Forrester, Hell directed yeah. by Hell yeah. directed by Wes Archer, <laughs> and the showrunners were Bill Oakley and Josh Weisley. Oh my God. Uh, Kyle is our guest. Kyle Clark. Sorry, I was going to do an aside to you. Before introducing you, Kyle, you will see that we are getting more and more Morning Zoo crew as the days go I'm along. I'm pretty impressed by it. I was like, wow, they turned into whole different creatures once they're on mic. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, sorry to botch your introduction. We are, of course, joined today by the very uh, talented, hilarious, um, since Simpsons expert, Indeed. I would say, uh, Kyle Clark. That. Hello. You are one twelfth of Stonecutters. How many people do I we like, have on Stonecutters now? I like to now? call it between one fourth and one fifth, depending on on how upset Ben Dunn is. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty no, accurate. I, mean, I think there's seven of us technically. Yeah, John Mathot's in there. In and the mix. Laura Crawford writes questions. Yeah, yeah. So it's like and who? And the Ben's. It and depends. And the four of us on stage. Right. Whoever's on the email chain, which can stretch to about 12, depending <laughs> on what theme the show is. Yeah. It's like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. yeah. It's out oh, of control. what a great comparison. <laughs> we Thank do you so do much. a lot of county fairs. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me of, uh, I didn't see Earth, Wind, and Fire at a county fair, but I did see Blood, Sweat, and Tears, oh, and I feel like I lumped them together. <laughs> that, that, They're that very similar. Tower of Power All the elements. Also in All there. of the elements. There's there's a certain genre for bands that have three names like that, you know? Um, but yeah, so for people that don't know, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, of course, you know... Um, uh, Kyle and I, we co-host Stonecutters LA at Meltdown Comics. It's the first Saturday of every month. Simpsons trivia pub style. Sometimes we have special guests like Mike Scully and Josh Weinstein. It was the way I tricked you into friendship. Yeah. We yeah, were backstage at the West Side Comedy Theater right. and we started talking about the Simpsons. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I have a thing you should come be a part right. of. Th- and thank you so much for that. It, it was a life-changing event. But you're burying the lead because the first thing we talked about was ska music. Yes. Because I had a bit in my act about ska. Indeed. And you were like, hello. I, uh, I'm fascinated by people who love ska music. Yeah, so you yourself do not love I ska music. I do not music. love ska music. Hey, this is I've... not the ska podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, but do you guys know about the cameo of the famous ska band that is in this episode? Yes, no doubt. Yeah. Because uh, Eric Stefani was on the animation team for Wes Archer for this episode. Yeah. I thought you were just answering like 
No doubt I do. <laughs> no doubt I do. Um, yeah, I remember hearing about uh, Eric Stefani being in animation for a while. And also, if anybody, any any ska heads out there listen to Ska Parade Radio. Wait, is that a thing? Yes, that is of course a thing, Kyle. Um, ska kids <laughs> are so industrious. Anything ska related, it's sort of like porn. If you dream it, it already exists, yeah. you know? Um, but, uh, he, <laughs> just go with me on that analogy. Um, he designed like we the call it rule catch 22. Shut up. Um, he designed like the logo for Scott Parade and there's a gentleman out there uh, named Tazy Phillips, who was the host of Scott Parade I radio. That. I know. Uh, he is still pushing those Scott Parade t-shirts. Although if you I do want Tazy Phillips and Daisy Fuentes to oh host something boy. together. Tazy and Daisy. Uh, we are not here. I'm to glaring at Kyle. <laughs> we are not here to discuss any of this. Um, it's a podcast that moment. There's wild, wild tangents. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so this has been uh, on the books for a while. That yeah. you wanted to do Homer Palooza. Can you tell us why this is your number one ultimate? I think that for a long time this was the cross section for me between being obsessed with The Simpsons and being obsessed with music. Uh, I have actually, I'm still trying to figure out how to see Peter Frampton because I've seen every other band on Hullabalooza besides them. Yeah. I've seen Cypress Hill, I've seen Sonic Youth, I've seen Smashing Pumpkins. I just need to see Peter Frampton complete the I set. I love that you're a completist just for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, uh, my brother and I, there's a couple lines from this episode that my brother and I think quote every day. The, mm-hmm. the Gen Xers who are like, he's pretty cool. Are you being sarcastic? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, we probably say good. that every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's also adds my love of uh, uh, making fun of Gen Xers because uh, if I can't be them, I must mock them. Yeah, uh, it's got a lot of great like uh, visual references. It's, it was a real Rosetta Stone for like wanting to be an old sad music fan. Like it also brought Grand Funk Railroad into my life. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and also Shining On is a great song. Oakley and Weinstein were right to use that instead of <laughs> We're American Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, I think that uh, your truth about this episode is very relevant to uh, a lot of other people who uh, enjoy this this episode, and, and I think that there is a cross-section of people that are like music nerds and Simpsons nerds. And when I think there is that natural point where you go from Bart and Lisa and being hip to Homer looking in the mirror saying forever, you know, in yeah. what I think might be the saddest moment ever animated on The Simpsons. It's just an old man looking in a mirror going forever, forever. Yeah. That uh, might be the saddest moment if you're a white man. Yeah. <laughs> They're much sadder. Which, uh, <laughs> statistically speaking, you probably are. <laughs> I'm either that or Chinese. Yeah. W- old white men are having the best week ever. <laughs> but uh, It is uh, sad, though. Yeah, well, I just think <laughs> that bringing it it's home. that that uh, <laughs> sense of identity of like when you define yourself by something that isn't yourself, right. and then realizing that those things are fleeting things that do start to disappear. And Absolutely. I find those are just like it's it's such an interesting thing because I feel like in different contexts, kind of across the board, most people, especially going from adolescence into adulthood, do define themselves by these like cultural things around them that they sort of latch onto. Like I think it's such an interesting when you look at, like the nerd world and the nerd culture movement Absolutely. we're in because it's a thing that will eventually feel like lead to to a whole generation of, of middle-aged people sort of looking going like what happened right and i think that's just a cycle that always goes and i feel like there's kind of a beauty to it i feel like that's it's kind of like there's a lot of great plays about that kind of concept i feel like there's so many uh different things that kind of have looked at that idea of like your cultural identity abandoning you and you having to deal with like yourself just as an individualized person and how if you're not 
careful about that, you can find that all of a sudden you are just sort of a thing that doesn't exist, you know, or is not even irrelevant, but just sort of like you've forgotten to like have a personality outside of those things. And yeah. I just think that kind of stuff's really interesting. That's and a really interesting point. And I haven't actually heard it articulated in that way. I've heard of like, you know, having like arbitrary cultural association as a means of, you know, sort of like um, power and uh, cultural currency, but not as a way to distance yourself from looking in the mirror and having that ultimate self-awareness and yeah. that it's delaying that moment. That's great. And it's, I think, it's of course, the f- yeah. it's, a, it's the alt culture version of like the football player who, mm-hmm. you know, had that perfect game when they were 17. Like there's that great short story, the like 50 yard dash or whatever about the guy who like has the greatest moment of his athleticism, but it's during practice. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like it's that same kind of thing. Like it's just the the tattoo and nose ring version of that same concept. Right, right. And to a different point, um, this reminds me of we recently spoke with Mike Lawrence um, on the podcast. And good get. Uh, Good get. Um, He was great. And he was talking about attending Stonecutters for the first time and having this like wave of relief in seeing um, other people just dominate the trivia and just thinking to himself, oh, I don't need to be the ultimate Simpsons fan anymore, which I think is a, a unique take on that moment a lot of people feel really competitive and well, that's my favorite thing about hosting is it, that it takes the pressure off of having Absolutely. to like be like oh i'm an ultimate simpsons fan because I, mean, I i i know way too much about the simpsons mm-hmm. uh, as does everyone in this room but it is kind of a relief when you're like oh i'm not a competitive person who needs to be the biggest simpsons fan who has right. a trophy to show for it and instead i can just be like oh i just like celebrating this thing that i've put a lot of time into mm-hmm. it's like us on this podcast yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a healthy relationship to have, not only with yourself, but with the thing that you love so that you can continue to love it. It's also funny of, when yeah. you go into normal mode. Like, I don't know, have you guys done any like press or talked to anybody in conjunction with this? Kind of, yeah, when a little bit. When they were doing the Simpsons, you know, the Every Simpsons Ever on FX, John and I did a radio interview as the Stonecutters LA for some radio station in Wisconsin. And I started to talk about like, like, Oh, they were like, what do you think is the best episode? Show? I'm like, Oh, I think maybe it's the, the monorail episode. And, you know, it was written by Kono Ryan and started listing facts. And I heard the guy on the radio go, okay, like just Whoa. reel it back in nerds. Whoa. Really? Was, wow. I was like, Oh, I forgot. Even though we're not the top of the pile, like we're still in yeah. too deep for most people's liking. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hey, it's lonely at the top. Right. <laughs> right. Allie. Allie is so sick as we're doing this, by the way. So <laughs> she is pulling a champ by keeping her eyes open. Yeah, yeah. Everyone listening, pour, pour out uh, a couple drops of orange juice or... or take a uh, shot of NyQuil with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like I had a cannonball shot into my Whoa! sinuses. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so before we get too far into the episode... Yeah, so we like to read the synopsis for people that haven't uh, seen this episode in a while. And this one is pretty thin, so Kyle, I'm yeah. need your help in filling in <laughs> Oh, the it's gaps. real thin. We it's real thin. Help, Kyle. Uh, the plot focuses, th- this is how you know how thin it is. The plot focuses, Ooh. this is the start of that sentence. <laughs> the plot focuses around Homer's depression about aging and no longer being cool, and his quest to become cool again by joining the Hullabalooza Music Festival as a carnival freak. The episode title is a play on the Lollapalooza Music Festival that is directly from wikipedia.com.org. Thanks, Mickey. 
Thanks, Wiki. Uh, anything that we may have missed? Uh, well, they Homer has to face his aging because Otto uh, falls asleep at the wheel of the bus. Which is a great he, cold open. He dreams of winning the world's safest bus <laughs> driver award yes. while asleep at the wheel with children in the car. Yes. Uh, so who's going to keep in secrets? <laughs> <laughs> Our unscheduled field trip to the auto wrecking yard. By uh-huh. reading this out loud. <laughs> so many good moments. What a weird conceit that joke is, too. The, by reading this out loud, you have avoided our responsibility, You've implying that they know that someone will read it out loud. Yeah, which is just a, a very good um, commentary on like TV, because why would you be reading a letter out loud? That's it's also a great yeah. Skinner joke, because I love that the, their ongoing kind of metagame of that Skinner is constantly trying to figure out how to be not legally viable for things. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a lot of adults in this world are shirking responsibility at all corners. And so Homer has to drive the kids, uh, and he's also driving Milhouse and Nelson. Really quick, when oh, he please. says, uh, and I love, I love the voice acting in this, where he's just like, hey, every day will be like a road trip with your dad to, to school. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the voice acting in that is perfect. The pacing of it yeah. all, it's so good. It's, uh, and so I love the set piece early on of them like driving to school. And yeah. Homer is just so, stu- <laughs> and it's such a dad. Homer's a, aggressively a dad in this episode. And mm-hmm. I love it's that. refreshing. It really is. Because he's so irresponsible a lot of the time. And I kind of love that for the first half of this episode, he's just doing very mundane stuff. He's literally driving his kids and some other kids in a school carpool to school yeah yeah and i think that i mean um for our ages when we this episode first came out i feel like it is um directly relatable because i think i'm just assuming a lot of our parents listened to the music that homer is blasting the car grand funk etc etc and and i think that we've all had that moment sitting in the back seat just being like oh your dinosaur music (laughs) you know and i like I like Milhouse being the speaker of everyone in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it when they give him like that kind of role. Um, yeah, and I, I love any episode that deals with Homer, um, you know, coping with aging and coping with being cool. There's there's a weird theme of Homer feeling cool or uncool throughout The Simpsons. Um, and I do love that uh, layer of seeing Abe Simpson basically voice the same concern the monologue abe has when he's talking to homer and barney about like i used to be with it but then what it was changed and now i'm not with it which has been a, a team, team name, name. at stonecutters <laughs> i wrote it down i used to be with it but then they changed what it was now what i'm with isn't it and what's it is weird and scary to me it'll happen to you what the hell are you two doing it's called rocking out you wouldn't understand that you're not with it I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. No way, man. We're going to keep on rocking forever. 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 Which is kind of similar, well, uh, at least a a similar kind of idea as when Skinner says, you know, uh, I'm not wrong. It's the children who are wrong about (laughs) what is popular and what's cool. Like, it's the opposite approach of that. What I like in the Oakley and Weinstein years on the show is that they really became very kind of adult focused on a lot of stuff and dealt with a lot of like plot lines that I think you just don't see on television. That you, you get them sort of like dealing with like adults you know dealing with middle age you know and things like that and i think that like that's why you see like them doing a lot of skinner and a lot of like homer as an adult kind of centric episodes yeah it definitely feels like 
something that they were probably processing in real time. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> this feels like a reflection of the writer's writing. Like it feels very personal in a weird way yeah. to a very specific subset of person. That's why I really like uh, the show F is for Family, which I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast, which focuses mostly on the dad, kind of in the in a this episode era Homer type way that I think is really fun. And that's Mike Price, who was a Simpsons writer as well. So check that out if you want. Some I do more really of this. like that show. I really love it. Bill Burr too, right? Yeah, Bill Burr's uh, who co-created it. It's mostly based on him. It's yeah. mostly like his he's dad. Playing and his he's playing his dad. It was just I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. It's, yeah. It's mm-hmm. those dadisms. I love dadisms and stuff. Yeah, we yeah. all we are all. I mean, I hope you are too. We're good dad club. Yeah, we're <laughs> okay, good, good dad, dad club. club. Oh, I would very hate much to so. say that, and then you're just like, oh, I'm I, not. I actually have a bit <laughs> I'm working on right now about how cool my dad is. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because like, oh yeah, yeah, you were saying it's like, oh, we all have that. Come on, dad listen to cooler music and I was like no, I didn't my dad my always dad listened also to the best to cool music, music. However, I loved it however, though, not, not to put I had that same thing I was being polite and not to not be the one who's like mm, my dad was pretty cool well, well, your dad was too my, my dad was cool but not to I imagine he's got Spanish flea bla- blaring like I imagine you grew up in the 60s and then moved forward well not to put my dad on blast but <laughs> <laughs> he did uh, he, he did listen to a lot of James Taylor um, that's mom rock and but yeah. he listened to James Taylor and then also like Gloria Estefan and Paula Abdul. Are you sure you're not, your dad is not a mom? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's dad, mom music. Yeah, it's all mom music. Kind of a mom. Did he also love Fleetwood Mac? But no, well, I, maybe. Who doesn't? The, the thing about my dad that I, I will say will, will redeem him if my dad is, have your moment. Um, if, my dad, if my dad is listening, is that um, it, my dad has an eclectic taste in music that it's not like uh, predominantly classic rock or, or any set genre but he just sort of samples everything so i think that you know like james taylor just fell into that and like you know steely dan just fell into that but yeah i i just have um like clear memories of sitting in my dad's car as a child and having like paula abdul just blasting Ooh. from the speakers you guys are both uh relatively hip cats yeah do you find Meow. that you <laughs> <laughs> perfect response through, through the so illness much. you still get morning zoo <laughs> dedication that's the quality of this podcast yeah, that's the level of, of flu it's did you like, guys yeah. find that you turned your parents on to any music? Huh. Interesting. Because um, I definitely found that it was like a kind of a cultural exchange between me and my folks where like I definitely found stuff that they liked. They found stuff that I liked, but I also showed them stuff that they dug. Yeah, my oh, I have one. Um, a band that is unfortunately not together anymore, but they used to open for the Aquabats. The Beatles. The Beatles. <laughs> um, this band called Bad Credit. Uh, that Dallas McLaughlin, who's a comic, um, he performs a lot in in San Diego. That's where he's from. And this guy Matt Gorney. Um, they were like sort of a jokey like hip hop act, hip hop funk. Act oh. and um, it fit with your dad's love of uh, funky Miami-based bass music. Well, it wasn't my dad that that latched onto it. It was my mom because my mom grew up in Oakland in the '60s and the '70s, and so she loved Tower of Power. And That's she, right. She really loved. Your mom is funk. a funky lady. She's a funky lady, and so she really, really loved uh, their funky beats. Um, <laughs> and then they also had uh, really funny songs like Bill Gates, He Owes Me Five Bucks, and other things. Um, On that MC Lars, like this is almost funny school of humor. Yeah. Well, well, here to give you an idea of like. 
just exactly the kind of tone that they said. Also, they were opening for the Aquabats, so just make your assumptions there. But um, <laughs> their their stage and make names them harsh. Yes, please. <laughs> their stage names were Optimus Rhyme. Oh wait, I know Optimus Rhyme and DJ Cliff mixed up. Oh wait a minute, I know this. I didn't know it under that name. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know Optimus Rhyme. He the uh, I went through a brief fascination with that whole nerdcore uh-huh. rap run. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. Via MC Lars into they were all those things. Great. Uh, yeah. they MC were Chris so is good. on my uh, most recent Rick and Morty album. Oh nice. So yeah. I also That's I too like nerd rap. <laughs> they were great, and I actually see. So I um, worked with them on. I wish I wasn't just trying not really hard to push down just asking a bunch of MC Chris questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the I appreciate your restraint, Kyle. When it does come up, I do appreciate <laughs> it. Unfortunately, you know, if I say we can't talk about Ska, that also means that we can't talk about But we can talk about both, guys. <laughs> oh, no. That's the beauty of the format. <laughs> Life is rules. You're doing this Life wrong. Life is pain. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, oh, what I was going to say, uh, I think I bum my friend Dallas out because every time I see him, I just ask about bad credit and I'm just like, tell me more. And he's like, oh, you know, bum that, that they don't play anymore but that's just that's just what happens and when you're in a band and your dad liked it my mom liked mom. it my, mom liked my dad it. Uh, i never exposed to it uh, <laughs> but whatever yeah yeah my dad to this day shows me really cool music and he's always on top of the trend so it is very difficult for me so your to dad's show almost him. hipper than you he is yeah. hipper than i am he is he he's got he, a hip hip dad <clears throat> i do and he's better with clothing trends he's better with like everything he knows all the stuff before it is really that popular but also still has a really good like you know, old catalog that still comes out. And sometimes I'll show him stuff and I'll be like, hey, I just discovered this band. He's like, did you? Because I showed you them five years ago. Oh, <laughs> like, ooh. Wow. I, I tried to most people. <laughs> Is your dad an 80s bully? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> He's very cool. Yeah. Your dad uh, is a James Spader character. Yeah. He is. Yeah, my dad is, I mean, any, any. Uh, you know, I inherited a lot of the taste, but I also inherited the territorialness of, um, you know, uh, I showed you that. Oh, or, I'm familiar you know, with the concept. It's, oh, it's really? hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. the rage at being there five Five minutes before everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard. Like it's it's something that I definitely try to unlearn, but is still you know it's it's in my blood. So like anytime I'm not saying something is a huge feat for Allie. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually bringing it back to the episode, that's a thing. Like I was talking about with cultural identity that I had to kind of unlearn the older I've gotten because I used to be so like these are the things I like and they define me. So leave them alone. Yeah, very high fidelity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now I'm very much like who gives a shit. I know. Well, that mentality of like these are things I like fuck you is unsustainable yeah you, can, you oh, it's just exhausting can't. it's exhausting that's the thing it really is you know and eventually you grow you become more of an adult hopefully you mature and you realize that there are other things that define you your self-worth is not defined arbitrarily by something someone else created you start to if you're a creative person you start to make your own things. it's okay that everyone likes neutral milk hotel yeah and that you're not <laughs> right. the special person you were in high school when you were the only one who liked them yeah, I guess the only time that that pops up for me is um, maybe with movies, if things become overrated or or whatever. Um, I, I got pretty grumpy uh, this time around with the new Star Wars movie before I saw it. Okay. Only because it was ubiquitous to the point of like exhaustion you mm-hmm. know we had Campbell's soup star wars things yeah. and like the merchandise yum. for it <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> um <laughs> there's that alley classic zoo crew uh chime in. um but no it, it just it was exhausting and how everywhere that i went i was just you know being faced with all these star wars promotional items it's not the film's fault yeah um it was you know, i get that anytime yeah. a new popular tv show shows up because uh-huh. mostly i think it's just me jealous of people who have 10 hours to hang out 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, when they're like, oh man, are you like my brother just started the second season of Daredevil, and he's like, oh right. man, like you got to check this out. I'm like, in nine to twelve months, I'm sure I'll watch it. I'm starting to get over that. Christmas vacation or something you know, like that. If there if there was any barometer for any any level of success, I will say is that you were too busy now to watch television. <laughs> you know, and and I've almost reached that point. Um, but uh, I am caught up on Fuller House. So if you Ooh. guys want to talk about that, that's mostly because uh, a mutual friend of ours, Brandy Post. Uh, Yes, she had like um, uh, a she viewing. fostered everyone an opportunity. That's the only way. That's the only way. Yeah. So we cranked through, I think, eight to nine episodes within a four or five hour period. I don't know if that math checks out, but it was entertaining. Nice. And also weirdly racist. <laughs> I didn't think that the most racist thing I would see all week would be on Fuller House. Oh. <laughs> but they just a Bollywood redid that scene from uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's to yes, a T. It was, well, they needed a filler. <laughs> they ran out of stories after episode four. Like, just, I don't know, we have the option to do anything. Do the Andy Rooney thing. Yeah. Did they sass it? They sass it? What do you mean? When Homer says... Quite famously, you've got to sass it in the beginning of this. God. Uh, So we're back to the car. Well done. (laughs) That's a weird thing I'd forgotten when I was watching this episode, because this is one that I really fell in love with on the repeats. Uh And one of the things I really loved about it is like there's two uh, scenes that are aggressively cut out of this episode on repeats, and one is Homer saying jive turkey. Oh. And the other is uh, Otto's. That's the sass it scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And then the other one is Otto's shoes talking. Those two scenes get cut. That, that joke makes no sense and does not play. I love that joke. Really? I think it's perfect. That joke to me is like kind of what The Simpsons does. Like it's just it's also very it's very teenagery and like Wayne's worldy and yeah, just like for sure. I make a lot of jokes like that. Like whenever like that's kind of what Twitter humor is, where it's just like you say a normal thing and then you put a weird action and asterisks and it's just kind of like that's weird Twitter. Like that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what the shoes talking. Weird Twitter is like the <laughs> deep internet. Is yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's actually a reference of the opening of the album version of um, 1999 by Prince. Wait, which part is the talking shoes? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really? there's an added layer to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow! I of course, that layer. bet you didn't know that. I didn't know that this morning before I <laughs> looked it up. <laughs> the the sasset scene makes me laugh so much. The the jive turkey, but uh, when Homer follows up with turkey is a bad person. So, how about those rainbow suspenders, huh? Dad. Pretty cool way to keep your pants up, eh? Dad. I see these kids now with jive printed on their shirts. <laughs> Now I can teach you how you're supposed to say jive. Dad, please just drive the car, Dad. I'm watching the road, sweetie. You jive, turkey. See, you got to sass it. Quit jiving me, turkey. You got to sass it. A turkey is a bad person. Uh, and then when he's describing how he rocks out, he says, sometimes I nod my head. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. This rocks. This rocks. Then sometimes I change it up. No, no, no. Don't stop rocking. <laughs> I, I have to ask, do you guys do that? Because I for yeah. sure do those actions. Absolutely. It's yes, so funny. Yes, yes, this I know. It's so perfect. <laughs> yeah, and uh, God, just all of that. And then and then the flashback. I, we have to talk about the strobe light scene because it is oh, one yes. of the most fantastic. Gentlemen, welcome to the second base mobile. Yeah, which is like, it, it, it's basically Jason. It's the, it's the character. It if you look, yeah. it's the Matthew characters McConaughey. from It's McConaughey. Absolutely. And it's also the pot dealer and the other two are fake Jeremy London's, this I guess. This is the first yeah. time I've ever gotten that. Same here. Yeah, because I hadn't seen that until, well, as a kid, obviously. <laughs> well, it's such a beautiful visual joke, you know? The, yeah. the strobe light effect. And it's then the so best great. is how fast he's back yes. far away. Yes, Some, absolutely. 
absolutely. Someone sent me that gif um, in reference to something I said because they ident- they were comparing me to Homer, and it really did make me very sad. Like, oh no. Well, it's kind of like I would say that that's sadder. Not to <clears throat> well, I am comparing them. This is what a comparison is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that 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 resonates more with me than Homer looking in the the mirror and saying forever, forever. But I think it's because that scene exists that the forever, forever yeah. is sad. So they are kind of the same story. It, but man, it just. It, it's brutal. It's summer of four foot two in a in a two second. Which visual. is the episode after this? Look at Ooh, that! <laughs> look at you! And that was the season closer. It right? was. Mm-hmm. Oh, because there's season. like a trifecta of season seven episodes that are just The Simpsons takes on Gen Xers. Yeah, yeah. Which I think that you know that that um, oh after uh, comes before now. Now the trend is to make fun of millennials. Yeah. Um, but young millennials, not us. Yeah, it was refreshing to have people being made fun of that weren't millennials for a change. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to tell you guys about some of the trivia that I found out about this episode um, before we get too deep and go into, you know, different things that we liked. But um, I found this really interesting. So this was the last episode that was written by Brent Forrester Mm -hmm. and the last episode that was directed by Wes Archer. And um, Brent Forrester went to uh, Lollapalooza as research and a lot of the um, uh, things that happened at the concert were based on his own personal experiences. He bungee jumped against racism. He bungee jumped against racism. Um, they I feel like that would they, still play now. Yeah. <laughs> like that would still work now. That would still work now. Uh, they confiscated his camera, threw it in the trash. Oh um, somebody approached him at the concert and, and said, like, how's it going, narc? <laughs> um, and that uh, he you know, was overwhelmed by the numerous advertisements and, and all the, quote, sour-faced teens. Aww. And then there was a real freak show, which is the Jim Rhodes Circus. The Jim Circus. Rhodes Circus. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, uh, other bits of trivia. Originally, Bob Dylan was approached for the role that later went to Frampton. And Neil Young and Pearl Jam were also approached but turned it down. Um, and they really wanted Courtney Love in the episode. And this is great because once word got out that they were approaching Courtney Love, an unnamed band that was on the list said, if Courtney Love does it, we are fucking out. And what's fun is it could be a couple of the different it bands on there. So the fun story. When I went to the art show that you put on, Julia, for The Simpsons, um, I was wearing a shirt that uh, some of our listeners may have seen me wear online that says Simpsonic Youth. It's got Bart and Milhouse in the pose of Sonic Youth. And Matt Groening came over to me and said, hey, cool shirt. Boy, do I hate Courtney Love. Oh, and when what? Why are you just telling me this now? Because I wanted to wait until this episode <laughs> to blow didn't. your mind. Shut I up. I swear to God. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been holding this. Yeah. Matt Groening was just like openly. Like, and I was waiting in line to talk to him. He saw the shirt. He came over to me. He's just like, Yeah. Uh, we wanted to have, uh, you know, Courtney Love on, but uh, Sonic Youth is my I favorite band. I knew it band. was going to be Sonic Youth. Sonic wow. Youth is my favorite band, and they said if we, if Courtney's doing it, we're not doing it. So now, you know, forget it. Oh, well, what's Sonic weird Youth? though? Wow, so Sonic putting, Youth. I'm putting well, what's it. What's weird? them on like blast. Smashing Pumpkins and Courtney Love have like a weird relationship too, because he ghost wrote a lot of her albums. Oh. Like Billy Corgan wrote a ton of whole songs. Yeah, because he was like infatuated with her for a while. Really, and then of course she's it, cool. It ended. she's fascinating. Does it did it end poorly? Is that I, what it was I reported? I don't know. I know that they're definitely like not friends, but, okay. but that they had a very weird, vaguely unhealthy, psychosexual, artistic relationship oh, okay. for like the middle half, middle chunk of the nineties. I'd be more blown away if it was like they had a a, a very healthy, <laughs> rational relationship. <laughs> she's, she's very polarizing, and I feel that's part of her appeal. Um, and I feel like you know, 
the story that Sonic Youth has with her is a very common story. In yeah. The music well, world. I imagine they also must have seen her at the absolute worst because yeah. like right. they're they're on that the tour with Nirvana, you know, in '92, just uh-huh. watching her be a horrible monster person. What did you guys think of Montage of Heck? I loved it. Oh, I did not. You did not. I I thought it was well. I think it's an interesting movie. It confirmed that I'm not a huge Kurt Cobain fan. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, as I, I said jokingly, but also semi-seriously in my roast of Kurt Cobain, uh, that he is kind of feels like white trash that got real lucky. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think that you could say that about a lot of, like, um, you know, uh, like celebrities, rock stars, movie stars, etc., that have become immortalized because they, um, you know, passed away too soon. And depressing teenagers is as easy as shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> yeah, way to bring it home. Yeah, I I enjoyed the documentary. I didn't uh, know a ton about Nirvana or um, Kurt Cobain See, before. That sort of right before that chunk of music is probably some of my favorite bands of all time, and a bunch right. of the bands that Kurt Cobain liked are also some of my favorite bands. So I'm always kind of fascinated, like the Meat Puppets. Like I always felt like like it was, if nothing else, neat at uh, like the Nirvana Unplugged that he has like the guys from the Meat Puppets come out to play and they play like four songs off Meat Puppets 2 which is probably my top 10 favorite albums of all right. time and then that they had you know like guys like you know the guitar player Pat Smear from the Germs come and be the second guitar player for Nirvana and stuff like that so they their band I have a complicated relationship with right right so you're coming at it from like all of this background of like you know knowing all this information about him and and I'm not to say that you were watching with your arms folded but you know there was a certain expectation of well, I went up in, to I was surprised at how raw it was like and oh. that's the reason I say I, that I didn't like it that I don't like him after watching I think like the mm. movie's fairly well made but I think like he's it, less yeah I definitely walked away from going oh Kirk Cobain's kind of a piece of shit eh. well I mean if you're looking at it from a technical standpoint uh, as far as filmmaking goes it is a very yeah, well made very documentary. well made. Um, but that's enough about that. We're oh, we didn't get to get into Dave Grohl, much oh, like the Dave, movie. Dave, Dave Grohl's Grohl great. Is the best. Yeah, Dave, Dave Grohl's one number life. one. Dave Grohl <laughs> it has one life. Dave Grohl, if there's one person can who... I, can I say something? Yeah. I think it's because we all like our dads. Because people that don't like Dave Grohl have horrible relationships oh, with their yeah, fathers. I'm sure. going on record well, as saying that's that. That's because yeah. the Foo Fighters music is like like dad like it's like, cool like dad audio rock. dad it is cool dad rock have you ever seen them live yeah several they're times. amazing they're maybe them one I saw them live with Weezer oh so did I was in Long Beach yes. yeah I was there Yay. with Hot Hot Heat opening yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I they, they were the kind of like a time machine <laughs> no, you gotta get a time machine um I yeah I went I to got... that with both my parents, my mom oh. and dad, both like Weezer and the Foo Fighters enough that we went as a group to it. Here's wow. the thing about Foo Fighters is that they are a very accessible band. Yeah, like they don't feel really pretentious, and and you can kind of cling on to them if you're like uh you know a, a younger music lover and you don't want to feel judged by your rock stars. But then they are they pack a punch. Like yeah. they're very musically like talented and strong and his songs are fucking catchy without it being too pandering pop, you know? Like, yeah. And he's just like the best dude ever. I remember there being a moment in like, um, I forget which one of their albums, but whatever came out in like the late nineties, um, where it also had a CD-ROM element. That would be, to there's it. nothing left to lose. Yes, that is, there's nothing left to lose. And there were, uh, these great little like Easter egg, like, you know, bonus features on it. And there was one where I wasn't quite sure if he was putting on an act or if he was legitimately drunk. And now that I'm thinking about it, he was probably legitimately drunk, but it was very funny. Um, of him just being drunk on his tour bus going, I was in the best band of all time. I was in Nirvana and all his like bandmates are just 
just fucking laughing at him. And also, all of their music videos. He's a great comedic. Yeah. Dude too. He's so funny. Well, Tenacious yeah. D is in, in the know? Learn to Fly video. Yeah. yeah, and also he's the devil in, in Tenacious D. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all of the music videos were just so fucking funny, and you just knew, like, watching this guy, you're like, oh yeah, like this guy. He's sort of like if you're going to compare it from like this vantage point, um, you know, he's sort of like Jack White with a sense of humor. Yeah. You know, and Jack White does have a sense of humor, but Dave Grohl, he could have been like a comedian, yeah. like legitimately comedian. Um, but There's he's that just weird so talented subset of infuriating rock stars who are both super cool, but also hilarious. I and John and also good looking. I would push Josh Homme in that same mm-hmm. category yeah. where like, like not like he could like I've seen Queens of the Stone Age. Everybody's job in that band is to just look as cool as fuck as right, possible. Right. The entire, oh, I don't know if swearing's a thing. No, uh, swearing okay. is a thing. Um, uh, we did get a mature rating on ah, iTunes. Ooh. So we earned that. We got to, we got to push it. Fuck shit. Uh, <laughs> hell damn crap. Hell damn exactly. crap. Um, we were just talking about Josh Homme uh, because we were talking about that Portlandia sketch. Oh, yes. Um, you, off you off sh- podcast. You showed me uh, him as uh, Carrie Brownstein's gay brother, yeah. which from a music fan point of view is a head exploding series I of know. concepts. I think that the sketch is called Disappointing Gay Brother and Nick Swartzen is also in it. So if anybody wants to uh, Google that, it's very funny. But yeah. So moving from the car to Homer going to the record shop. Okay, back to business. I want to point out how cool it is to see the Daydream Nation Sonic Youth album cover drawn in Simpsons art style as a poster there. Yeah. Like I've I really one day want to get that poster for like my office. Like you know I want what? I'm the sure Simpsonized have, version of it. We have a lot of great uh, illustrator people that follow us uh, and listen to our podcast, so I'm sure. If you want to do a tweet out or you're calling it out right <laughs> at now. At Kyle Clark is rad. Yeah, at Kyle Clark Let is me rad. Know. If you are an illustrator that likes to do Simpsons stuff, that is a very n- niche market. Niche but thing. It, it's a but it's thing two that of exists. my favorite things. Like Sonic Youth are legit yeah. in my like top five favorite bands of all time. And The Simpsons is like my favorite TV show of all yeah, time. Yeah, you got to so get just, the Simpsonic um, Youth shirt. Yeah. I didn't even know it existed until the first time I saw you had it. I was immensely jealous. Oh, yeah. You know what um, my boyfriend Mike calls that when you like, you know, do like uh, j- the example of just Simpsonizing a poster. He calls it visual weird alling. I love ah, that. there we yeah, go. Yeah. I like and that. that's something that he jams on uh, pretty much. That hard. is uh, <laughs> very specific. Very specific and well put. <laughs> yeah. And if you know Mike, then I was going to say it's a very Mike sense. Mike term. <laughs> It is a very, very big mic term. And we're going to go see Weird Al. This is uh, apropos of nothing. Uh, we're going to go see Weird Al at the Hollywood Bowl this summer. So oh, you we guys saw him at the too. Greek last October. Yeah, we, we went to Vegas to see him. And uh, when we went to Vegas, uh, we were immediately uh, identified as Weird Al fans. Like, everybody was like, oh, you're looking for the Weird Al concert? It's over here. <laughs> have you? How many times have you seen him? Because I imagine it's several dozen. Actually, no. I've only seen him one time. Me too. Yeah. I've only seen him one time, too. But the, Mike's seen him a bunch. My girlfriend only listens to, like, three bands. She likes Wings, she likes uh, <laughs> The Cure. Natalie, you she, idiot. She, he she, was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Wings, The Cure, and Weird Al are what her, the only Al. three musics that she likes. You found a good one. That's oh, yeah. Really funny. Music is for... none of my business. <laughs> That's <laughs> that when, is such a great When we were watching line. that last night, I, I uh, elbowed her in the ribs going, huh? Huh? You're Marge. You're Marge. <laughs> I feel. Because um, she was days... like, record stores do not make sense to me. That's yeah, funny. these days I do feel uh, half and half. I do feel like Marge going, music is none of my business. Because sometimes I don't know I, I'm I'm d- uh, very far away from being the teenager version of myself um, where maybe I was paying more attention to like you know <laughs> what was hip and happening um, but then I I don't know Spotify will alert me to something so it's like it's weird this half and half I feel like I don't connect with h- cool teens these Allie, days. Allie, do you get mad a little bit at Spotify as well because <laughs> you remember having to dig through to find cool yeah. stuff? <laughs> I you know I still I guess I'm just so excited that music is i i love spotify because they 
make it easy for yeah. me because then it saved like, me so much it does, time. Yeah. yeah. For, for someone who's on the go and doesn't have time to sit and watch all the TV shows she wants, it is kind <laughs> of nice to at least have like, I don't know, here are the bands you might like, but I still spend, I, I, so Spotify does the analytics at the end of the year and I spend a lot of time trying to find a music and most of it is through the, the discover platform or whatever. But I, I make like, I make like a couple dozen playlists every year and I listened to 1000 new bands last wow. year. Holy shit. So really great. <clears throat> yeah, I I really try to I mean it's not always new stuff. A lot of it is like 90s and early 2000s. But, but yeah, but, fi- but to me like new bands and old new bands, it's all the same thing as long as you're finding kind of different stuff. But yeah. the thing is the way that I found music as a teenager because of my age was through Pandora and through um you know, whatever it was before Spotify. Like, it was MySpace music. It was whatever was online. It was all digital for me. Like, I wasn't going into record stores finding new music because we didn't have a record player. Like, for me, I mean, like, I totally get someone who's even five years older who maybe... I might have been like right under it. it I is, think I it might be been. that age difference. How old I, are you, I, Kyle? I, I'm 29. Okay, I'm. I just turned 25. Okay, yeah. So we are that that switch there. It's just a tiny bit. So my stuff has always been online. So for me, it's just like, oh, it's all the same, See, but I better. Had a guy, yeah. like my brother's best friend's older brother. Like I went up to him one day. It was after the VH1 like best bands of hard rock special, and I was <laughs> oh like, I think God. I like the band Fagazi. Oh, I bet yes. oh. I bet Ivan Fugazi's has has a Fagazi record, and so I went, and he was like. So you want to listen to Fugazi, do you? Wow, like, you're yeah. dealer. And he brought me into like he like lived in the garage, and I sat on like <laughs> a center block couch, and he like paced around his room, which was just covered in records and like bootleg DVDs That's and awesome. like Japanese RPGs. Yeah. And he was just like, "All right, so you like that?" And then he's like, "Oh, and so he, I, I remember. I distinctly remember I walked Taste out with a Fugazi record." A, which one? Uh, Steady Die to Nothing was what I started on, which I liked, but I definitely feel like I go more repeater, if anything. I also just love the instrumental. Like, yeah. I love it. Because I just covered um, I'm So Tired. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, I'll send it to you. Oh, I'm real stoked to hear that. Have, it, do, do you know Slingshot Dakota? Mm-hmm. They did that cover of Waiting Room on I piano and that. drums. That's one of my favorite things ever. You guys, yeah. this is a fun listening experience for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. somebody I'm having the time of my life. Somebody but. sitting in here is like writing down, and they are getting a whole quality this playlist of stuff. We're the yes. ones. Well, that's, I was going to say. That's, all we're doing is I've tricked you into doing my podcast. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> uh, it just needs to be so Inception. But uh, the way that you're describing like the guy that you go to, like I think I might like Fugazi, and, and that is such an archaic you know, oh, archetype yeah. I, I still distinctly remember like walking out because it, it was Fugazi, Sonic Youth, The Eels, The Pixies, and... I love The Eels. Like, I think, oh, they're, yeah, uh, they're again. That's, mm-hmm. you know, all, all in my top tens there. And The Eels are doing a lot of, like, um, music for, like, movies and TV now, yeah. too, which I really enjoy. Well, did you ever... They did... He scored the film Levity, which is actually a pretty good movie. Oh, but this what's his name again? Mark Oliver Everett. He follows me on Twitter. Oh, I'm jealous. They had, like, a documentary thing, like, asking people in line at an Eels show once do you have any messages for E? And I like freaked out. I was like, you're God. Like, so and like there's the a first video AMA. of like a fat teenage Kyle yeah. freaking out. Oh no. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say that, yeah, you going to your music guy is as archaic an archetype as going to your drug dealer and yeah. like asking for weed. Yeah. I just feel like those are two things that don't quite exist anymore. But I do remember, um, I feel like, yeah, we're, 
I'm ageless. <laughs> so, but I was uh, floating around in the abyss, and uh, I do recall there going She had just gotten to... back from her suffragette meeting. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, but uh, I, uh, I do recall going to the record store and not only having, you know, like paying attention to what the people that work at that store recommend. Oh, yeah. And then they would have, oh, like, that's my favorite. whatever that they were playing on the, um, the stereo oh, uh, yeah. was listed on the side, but then there were listening stations, which I think I Amoeba just to... took out. Oh, I just remember that, because, like, Tower Records closed... Uh, oh, and you could punch the code in. Tower Records was how I learned. I forgot yeah. about this. Let me tell you uh, how the... You could probably guess that I was this type of teenager, um, but uh, December 8th... Uh, was the day that Tower Records closed, and I wrote R.I.P. Music on both of my hands because it's also the day John Lennon was shot. Oh my goodness! So I was uh, obviously years yeah. prior. Did they calculate you that for sure. to be on the same day? <laughs> Is that included in that uh, to make Colin teenagers <laughs> documentary? That's how it opens everywhere. Whoa. The graphic retelling. <laughs> of I gotta John watch Lennon's that. Murder. I like that. Colin I want to see it too. He's yeah. a good fella. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I wouldn't let myself smile that day because I was like very just like I can't smile. Music is dead because wow. like <laughs> Tower Records were closed down and First then uh, Sam Goody that now was like this. God is dead that was your God own personal what is it yeah. Nietzsche when you guys tour like yes. I have found that my thing on tour my comfort place is like when you're in a town for a day the first two things I look for are a record store and a comic book store. Hmm. So if I can find those, I can lock in. Vegan and restaurant get a feel for and a coffee shop. <laughs> so mine is I'm extremely white. Whole Foods to just get my bearings together, and um, probably vintage shop. Okay. Like, you know. Yeah. No, I was joking with vegan or restaurant. Those don't actually. exist. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, mine is mine is probably yeah. Bookstore is good. Bookstore is good too. Yeah, comic book store if you have. But like if you're going doing Pacific Northwest, you just you know that's what? a dime Music a dozen. Store too. Music store for me. Yeah, I yeah. need because I'm yeah. touring as a oh, musician. I you know I'll what get it sad, also just go is? play guitar because I can't tour with one because I'm not. Yeah, you know what it is for me specifically. Um, so I'll I'll punch in Whole Foods for whatever town. <laughs> I swear to God, no, I don't, I don't give a shit. Uh, let people know how white I am. I don't care. Um, it's great. I mean, they are one coin operated shower away from being a full on trucker stop. And uh, you a go flying there. J. It really is like a flying J. Um, and there's one now. Oh, everywhere in this great nation so you go there you get your food together whatever you sit down you enjoy the internet okay <laughs> and then uh i will <laughs> i will find you know i'll go on a website like atlas obscura or like other um websites or where whole i just foods sort of finder whole foods finder no no i'm already at the whole foods this is step two um i just google what's the weird museum in this town oh and that's, that's where good. um i went to like the funeral museum in new orleans oh, and there so you have bad. a pharmaceutical museum there too that's how I found out about the Hank Williams Museum in Montgomery, Alabama. God damn it. Um, and the Puppet Museum in Atlanta, Georgia. The what? Dear, Puppet Museum. Mm. Dear South, please let me tour through you again. <laughs> I didn't hit you near should. the number of you museums should. I was hoping. I'll, I'll write you a guide. Maybe I'll post it too if people ever want to. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't give this shit for free. Never mind. That's a book deal. Yeah, that's a book deal. Uh, if if we if it's not rude, may I list a couple things that I think are just so good in this episode? Yes, that please. We have not gotten to some of the. Jokes we haven't even gotten to the main plot I know, yet. I know. Some of the things, well, you know, we're having a lot of fun here. <laughs> some of the things that I didn't really notice, just because they're nuanced, and you're when you're a kid, you don't pick up on them. Um, were so enjoyable this time around. What's funny is that this is an episode that I did not really have on repeat for me because I always remembered it just as the canon stuff. I didn't remember any of the heart to it, any of the just the the meatiness 
to this episode it kind of I always saw it as just like oh it's a it's a weird episode I don't really think there's a lot going on in it so wrong it's great um it's one of my favorites upon rewatching it one of the moments I love is in the flashback when there's that super hot woman who comes up to Homer she's like oh, yeah. I think you're cool Homer Simpson Sandra that was, was mean, mean. <laughs> <laughs> also she's dressed exactly like um Mar- uh, Marcia Brady yeah yeah, yeah. I-, I also love uh, very subtle things to really um capture kind of the year that this takes place just a detail homer's wearing a hang 10 shirt yeah. my dad had a hang 10 shirt that he used oh, to wear man. as a sleep shirt and so it like really it's a really well observed also, animation detail in the flashbacks barney has bangs i love yes. barney, barney, has bangs. barney has bangs <laughs> i also Hashtag. love that they're singing you make me feel like dancing when they're rocking out i know and i love that they're friends like yeah I just, me too it's a really sweet idea you make me feel I want to dance the night away. ruined his life, so he might as well still be his friend. I know. I just love the image of them hanging out in, like, you know, Homer's basement, like, sitting on beanbag chairs and, like, listening to Queen. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't see Homer and Barney as being best friends. Like, I don't really see Homer as having a best friend outside from kind of Marge. So, like, it's just nice to see him with a companion like it's yeah it's, it's super fun i enjoy it not just a drinking buddy so that was really nice for me um and then i really loved just that uh like the fact that they used cypress hill because they oh, could have picked makes me anything so happy I know. one they're great but two like how on top of music are the simpsons that they are just like yeah well we should also include a hip-hop group. i think it's yeah. well observed because the Lollapalooza festivals always had like one or two hip-hop acts like from the first one having ice tea on the tour like moving forward right and so like that is a, a very well observed detail yeah yeah and i love that moment too um you know they're like backstage at Lollapalooza, so and like the stagehand is like uh hey Order the london symphony orchestra Anybody possibly while high cypress hill <laughs> i'm looking your direction and then they like huddle up their whisper like, voice acting in that is so orchestra good. did we order an orchestra That's orchestra. so funny yeah uh i think we did <laughs> <laughs> yeah they step up to the plate and i love the face that the violinist gives like as they start playing yeah. hello bands who is playing with the london symphony orchestra come on people somebody order the london symphony orchestra Possibly while high. Cypress Hill, I'm looking in your direction. Hey, man, did we order an orchestra? What's up with this orchestra, man? Where'd the orchestra come from? I don't know, man. I didn't tell me about this, man. We gotta do do something. Oh, yeah, yeah, we think we did. Uh, Do you know Insane in the Brain? We mostly know classical, but we could give it a shot. And then Marge, now this is... I like. <laughs> I love the animation of Cypress Hill when they're performing, where they're just like lifting yeah. their legs up and shifting their yeah, arms. Yeah, no, it's super fun. And then that kind of is consistent to uh, the sour-faced teen swaying in the breeze. Which is used so much online. Like, yeah. All the it's, time. It's I bet there's a lot of like GIFs or GIFs so from this good. episode that people overuse. Yeah, this episode, so I think it, uh, the stuff that you've already touched on, Kyle, is so good of the Homer trying to be cool and like, you know, this middle-aged crisis that he's kind of going through. I also, yeah, I think that apathy is such an interesting subject. Agreed. Like I'm, I'm very interested in apathy because it's what 
at least, you know, I feel like it's what we're all against. Like we're such passionate, full loving. We put our flags out saying this is what we like and we just love things so fully. Um, and so it's just interesting to see people that just don't really care, but still have these snide comments to make about stuff that they don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's, yeah, it's, I, I hate it so much. It makes me so angry. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what <laughs> high school was for me was everyone in high school was just those people that don't give a shit. So it was really lame to like things, which yeah. is yeah. kind of how this episode ends of just like, well, what is cool? Like it, that is kind of the thesis of this. So it's just like. I don't know. It, it, you well, can't was, really win if you're trying. But that was the basis of starting my podcast. Was all about celebrating enthusiasm for stuff, and not just blind enthusiasm, but really exploring what it is about a person that makes you want to like stuff. I mean, I think that's why all of us have gotten along. Is we're all people who just like are delighted by things in the world and right, appreciate right. that. Like the world's a great place. Cause I saw X, a flower y, today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I don't think we've mentioned uh, your podcast name. Uh, oh, this is rad. Who, yeah, this is rad, and that's on the Nerdist Network. It is not. We oh, are not? fully oh, independent. I'm so, so sorry. We we keep it super punk rock over oh, there. Oh, okay. Well, you uh, we record it nerd. It yeah, smells like Otto's jacket. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, off of of what you just said, uh, Ali, about sincerity, I'm going to say the most millennial sentence I've ever said. Um, Ooh, I'm excited for this. I'm quoting Dan Harmon, who uh, oh, said that's this, that's the that's, that's the most millennial thing. I'm quoting Dan Harmon from a podcast uh, on a podcast. It's its inception again. Um, but I think it was on this feels terrible where he said that the most punk rock thing that you possibly do is actually love a something. Yeah. Love I love something. That. Love a something. I love, love a something. something. Like this uh, big of meatball. Like this big of meatball. <laughs> I love no, you meatball. I, I think about that all the time. I really do. It really resonated with me because it is pretty punk rock. It's very bold to stand out and say, no, I actually genuinely love ska music or the Simpsons yeah. or Sam Rockwell well, or, well, you know, other things. To me, like part of what's fun too is like, celebrating and loving things that make that most people think are like terrible yeah like yeah. uh like brandy posey and i often talk about how we are smash mouth apologists <laughs> uh, because they're not a terrible band but they're, they're an not. easy punchline and there's so many bands to me that are so much worse that get it so much less they're the guy fieri of late 90s music and, and but i, I don't even know about that because i feel like because to me, what's gross about Guy Fieri is he's like a weird shill, and like the Smash Mouth like popped up and stuff, but they also never pretended to be cool. Right, I think like they were yeah. always like paunchy dudes from Orange County in bowling shirts. Well, <laughs> I think that what really cemented them into being a punchline was their association with the Shrek movies. Yeah. And I think that that really... I would have taken is, that gig. Which is I what's know, funny. Yeah, you know who would. also has an association with every uh, one of those? is the, the Eels. Eels. The Eels have an original and you know song what? Yeah, <laughs> and most of those yes, movies. Yes, and they're fucking great because nah. it's the Eels. And one of my favorite moments from Shrek 2 is their their song. Like yeah, It's I like a very sleep. reflective yeah, very reflective moment for Shrek. I pulled that up way too fast. <laughs> I revealed yeah, too much information your, too your quickly. Cards are showing. Um, no, but as Shrek is contemplating the state of his marriage. He's reading Fiona's journal. Ooh. I love Shrek, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I agree with I you. I love the I... first three Shreks. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bold. Um, but Timberlake love... is real funny as the prince is in the really? third one. I, I love the first two Shreks, for sure. <laughs> Anybody, any, if this was on a radio station, people are just tuning in now. No one, is, right? I think podcast. what we can establish is no one likes Shrek 4, and that's There's all that matters. There sure is, and it's terrible. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, God. and I, you know what sucks is that I think that the ride at Universal is based on Trek Four. It's at, no, it's not. No, it's in between. It's You're actually right. set between Trek One and Trek Two, You're and right. it's actually pretty good because it's I got the go. Ghost of Farquaad. It does have the Ghost of Farquaad, and uh, it's 4D, <laughs> which Christ. just means what have I that done with my life? <laughs> that means that what have you done to our podcast? <laughs> move. Um, so let's get into the fact that Homer's job at Hullabalooza is to get shot in the stomach by a cannon and survive every yeah. day. That's yeah. Sad. And so that kind of makes me think about like um, the episode of the boxing episode. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. the same yeah. where he has the- like the liquid that surrounds his cranium. Yeah. And it's it's another thing where he's doing this to prove something to himself and to his family. And he knows that he could die. And uh, do you know what I love about it though? What that ho- all the rock stars kind of love Homer. Yeah. yeah. Like when he's like skating behind the bus, like on the pans, and they're all just like rocking out, and, uh, throwing Whoa, stuff. Geez, I got so excited at the idea of rocking out. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Uh, I, well, I love that they take him to the vet. He, <laughs> but so we finally, in I think one of our first episodes, was with Josh Weinstein, and he revealed to us that. Uh, you know his the joke that he's the least proud of rover hendrix rover hendrix and that's, that's a footnote on the wikipedia page now and they don't cite josh weinstein but they just say that the writers have all agreed that that's the worst joke that's ever been on the simpsons which is so untrue yeah oh my way god, worse oh my jokes god. rover that. hendrix sorry josh made me laugh yeah. really hard there's a couple of simpsons jokes like that that i know the writers don't like one of the other ones the pigeon rat I know. So Ken Keeler has gone on record that he does Sorry not like yelling. that joke. But you know what? I think that we all have that as creatives too. I think that we all have that one sure. thing that we're like, ugh. Yeah, I'm so but sorry. But then everybody else likes geniuses. it or something. Yeah. It makes me mad because I just watched I went over to my friend's house, then they had on Brag much. <laughs> and then, and then it was my house. I was alone. So full of friends. <laughs> my cat was there. And a ship with them. <laughs> but Sorry, um, I'm just laughing at, at, if, if I was serious. Go on. She was watching uh, she just had the Simpsons on like she didn't put it on it was just on and um, it was the Tony Hawk episode and which is a terrible I'm episode. so sorry but that's one of the I'm so sorry I'm so sorry to people that have written on it like Mike Price and cool people that yeah. are very funny that's my least favorite episode that me I've too. ever seen oh my god it makes I, me mad I'm so excited that more and more people I know who like that's all of our least favorite episodes well that's when the you know uh God, I never know which one's Al Patty Jean or Selma. Oh, wait, but no. uh, one of them who's on a date with Skinner says, isn't it nice to hate the same things? Oh, yes. Uh, but they're, I mean. It's they're, probably Selma because Patty doesn't really date that much. Thank you. I, I never know. And, you know, fortunately, they have the earrings to help, but I'm always a little bit. I always but remember the fun. one that dated Skinner because Skinner goes, Patty. Ah, oh, yes. wow. Okay. But uh, at any rate, uh, you know, it's not, it, I, it is kind of fun to hate things sometimes. It's more fun to love things. I prefer to love things, especially you on the podcast. You find a balance. Life is all about balance. All yeah. I'm saying is, uh, Rover Hendricks would have improved that episode. There's one good joke in that entire episode. What's the joke? And it's when he hands him the card and it flies over and he's like, oh, that's the wrong number and snaps and it flies back the same direction. And that's a terrible joke. But just within that, like you can really tell that... that Baby Stink Breath was supposed to like carry that episode, and right. instead it's just a bunch of really pointless cameos. Oh, yeah, but enough about that episode. This episode is uh, great. Yeah, the- I love when Homer meets Billy Corgan and says, Thank you for your thanks to your gloomy music. My kids have stopped dreaming of a future I can't possibly yeah, provide. That's really great. <laughs> and his response is, We do what we can. Yeah, yeah. There's so many great jokes in this episode, um, especially from. Like once we get to Lollapalooza, I feel like we're off to the races. That the, there's all these 
great jokes. I mean, just in that the signs, too. That whole sequence of Homer talking about the hometown show with the Smashing Pumpkins. You know, is it true we have to bring our own water? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a little phrase here If it's in brown, drink it down. If it's black, send it back. Like, yeah. that Springfield is such a horrible place. Yeah, and then uh, they in that scene, I think, uh, oh, they're talking about, like, yeah, I used to be really nerdy. The hometown shows where you celebrate, you know, the people who thought you were a nerd get to see how successful you've become. They all turn to Darcy, and she yeah. goes, what? I was in the audiovisual club. And then Homer goes, me too. But then I got kicked out because my opinion's on Nam. And then I was stealing projectors. projectors. (laughs) It's so many good joke layers in a row. Like, like, I thought last time, like, God, that is a good comedy scene. And then Sonic Youth is stealing from Peter Frampton's cool. And they're all eating one watermelon. (laughs) Come on, you can't eat all this watermelon. I love Peter Frampton getting really bothered. And I love that he has the pig. He's like, I got that from Pink Floyd's Floyd's garage garage sale. sale. (laughs) Yeah. Which makes, I mean, given that Peter Frampton is so, like, primarily featured in this episode, it makes it weird to think that it could be anyone else yeah you know like what kind of jokes would they give bob dylan i don't know bob dylan fucks up like every time that i hear about (laughs) this it's just like bob dylan was supposed to be the voice of the right you know space coyote well you fucked up bob and then johnny cash was like to be fair everyone who's replaced bob dylan has done a better job than bob dylan bob dylan's not that great sorry whoa (laughs) especially as a voice actor yeah i'm sorry oh well yeah he's cool maybe maybe though it's like the um bob dylan curse slash i don't know charm of like if you are filling in for bob dylan then you are destined for greatness springsteen's (laughs) the same way where they tried to get him and instead they got like all the great people for the rock camp but they got Tom oh, Petty that's right, that's and right. uh, uh Tom Petty's so much what was, what was they're so much better doing out by the docks hanging out <laughs> <laughs> trying trying to talk about hand, probably kicking it with teenagers Dylan. right oh for Santa sure they like oh, family for sure. <laughs> and Johnny Depp was probably yeah Johnny Depp was probably there just because he he is um, the anger you brought to that silly sentence <laughs> yeah it's pretty silly <laughs> Yeah, I really do love that talking dog. Nah, and I think that baby's the best. <laughs> um, so uh, we're we're getting close to a wrap up. Um, are there any? I mean, we we spend a lot of time talking about our own personal experiences. How dare us? We also didn't get to say to uh, that and getting toasted nicely. Toasted. toasted. When toasted. Kim Gordon has a great line where he's like, you know, the, this festival isn't about freaks; it's about the music and youth-oriented marketing. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> which is funny because yeah. that's every music festival is just like, look at all this stuff you could buy, children. Right. Of course. Um, and uh, one of the sign gags uh, when they first enter Lollapalooza is free nose piercing with every price of admission or something. I turned like to that. Natalie and was like. I get a nose pierce. <laughs> <laughs> also, no way. also, just to to wrap it up because I feel like we did kind of end uh, before saying the ending of the episode. Homer gets out of the way of the cannon. He doesn't get hit. He knows that he's going to get hurt, and he ends up being safe. And it's sweet, and it's nice, and the family still kind of is there for him, and yeah. it's just nice. Turns and out it, you, all he wanted was a club sandwich, <laughs> yeah. which is great. But I love the car ride. I love yeah. Marge. Am I cool? No, like the very checked out, and it's like, well, what is cool? Like yeah. I just love it because you just can't force. Well, it. I don't care about being cool. That's what makes it cool, right? right? <laughs> I love when Marge wants affirmation. I like know, it's always too. really funny. So I realized that being with my family is more important than being cool. Dad, what you just said was powerfully uncool. You know what the song says? It's hip to be square. That song is so lame. So lame that it's cool. No. Am I cool, kids? No. Good, I'm glad. And that's what makes me cool. Not caring, right? No. Well, how the hell do you be cool? I feel like we've tried everything here. Wait, Marge. Maybe if you're truly cool, you don't need to be told you're cool. I'm sure you do. How else would you know? 
So this episode is is similar in its theme to King Size Homer in that I think uh, you know Homer's health is is being you know put at risk because of his want for respect from his family. Or I guess in King Size Homer the respect the need for respect from them is what saves him and informs his decision making. Um, but in this it's more of like the admiration that he gets from the public is sort of distancing himself from from coming to terms with the fact that he could kill himself. I also There's a lot of those moments. I also love that this is the kind of Simpsons episode. I love that end where they have the emotional moment, but then they go, well, I guess we really didn't learn a lesson. Yeah. There's like this, or like my favorite example of it is the one where the kids are stuck on the island and it ends with them going, they were rescued by, let's say, Mo. Yeah. Like, yeah. the best it's ending so of funny. any episode of anything. I agree, I agree. And I love that, that they, they defied TV enough to be like, hey... We don't always have to end on on we learned a lesson that like we can just and I feel like that's something that kind of especially came in in the Dave Merkin years absolutely that he's really great at bringing that sensibility of like this weird like warm hearted nihilism to everything yeah. that I think is a lot of fun. Well, I also understand that panic of you're writing an episode of television that has to be a certain set of pages. Yeah, and sometimes you just have a premise that is so meaty that you sp- you have to spend as much time as you possibly can on these certain elements, but then you have to wrap up. By a certain time you're you know like this podcast like this podcast but so you do like that last page like let's just say mo you know and i think that that is not only a commentary on that process of writing a television show but it's fucking funny yeah and like you know uh the voiceover is fantastic and, and the fact that yeah. mo was not in that episode i know and that's james earl jones right yeah. yeah he's so he's so great they pull him in for a lot of stuff he was bleeding gums murphy and all that the stuff. voice of uh evil dimension maggie Yes, yes. Um, so a question that we like to ask all of our guests, and I'm sure, uh, you know, being one of the co-hosts of Stonecutters, uh, this is a question you may have been asked in the past, or maybe it's very difficult for you to answer given that, but which character from The Simpsons, it could be the core family or a Springfield character, do you identify with most? Oh, Homer, by a mile. Yes. Like, without, <laughs> qu- without question. Besides, was that always the case when you were growing up? I, th- I feel like there was probably a time... I don't know, I feel like I've always very much been a Homer kind of person. And the uh-huh. older I get, the more comfortable I just am with that. I think uh, that just a person who is kind of in this very zen way, like kind of just driven by like a sense of impulse towards satisfaction is a thing I very much identify with. Also, I'm constantly getting hurt in humorous ways. <laughs> and you just surrender to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so I've just made peace with it. But like, and I love that Homer is excited, like, because they describe Homer as a dog. And I've yeah. always like identified with the idea of kind of living life as a dog where you're just like excited about things, but then like you also have a range of emotions that go, you know, at a dime they can change. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. There's I other characters that, right. that I love, but mm-hmm. like but I definitely like I like I adore Krusty the Clown. Me I think too. like the further I gain like just a lack of taste for show business, <laughs> like the more entertaining I find Krusty the hey, Clown. Hey, it's Krusty the Clown. Hey, it's Krusty the Clown. All right. Side show mail. Okay, and we're ready to record. Krusty? <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, but but I definitely feel like like Homer, like just just in that, like like very much that uh just zen mindset of like being in the here and now and experiencing whatever it is and feeling all of those emotions but then immediate anything can change that at any given point in time along with just going like oh my god i'm in so much pain yeah 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 no I, that's great i wouldn't say i see that in you <laughs> but uh it was a great description kyle 
Um, and another question that we like to ask our guests is um, if you could write a lesson on the chalkboard, um, it doesn't have to be a joke, it doesn't have to be extremely poignant, but something that you may have learned from either this conversation or this episode, what would it be? Oh, so not just like a clever thing you no, put on the No, no, it doesn't so have to be. So I can put be, my pitch list away. Yeah, well, if you want to do a pitch list. But I will not kickstart a final season. Oh, is not a Because that's a good chalkboard joke. That is a yeah. that's, um, no, we just sort of use it as a framing device because uh, that um, tends to be, I don't know, it's a good visual. I mean, <laughs> I, you, guess like the, <laughs> I guess the nice like lesson one could be something along the lines of like, uh, who needs to be cool if people love you? Oh, love it. I like that. <laughs> you do. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been take my money. All right. Thank you so much for being a guest Thanks on this me, episode. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a delight. Yeah. yeah. yeah our listeners got to learn a lot about ska, a lot about... <laughs> <laughs> a lot about a lot of things. A lot, a lot of things. You guys went off on a tangent, too. It's true. Okay? About music. I don't recall. <laughs> Play back <laughs> the tape. Uh, sure, misremembering. <laughs> Allie's so drugged up on <laughs> that she it's true. doesn't remember even sitting down for this conversation, I'm not sitting, great. am I? Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Uh, I'm at Kyle Clark is rad on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I have a one like comedy, I guess, EP out at KyleClarkComedy.BandCamp.com. I have a full length album coming out at these probably by the end of the summer. I was saying June for a while, but yeah. as Julia and I race to get our records <laughs> out, I, we both have uh, they'll records. they'll be out yeah. around the same time. Um, yeah, and then maybe we'll tour. Yeah, and then there might be a tour happening. Isn't That'd, be a good That'd be fun. Uh, the, uh, hey, yeah. look at the thing that we bought. Hooray Commerce Tour. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I have a podcast called This Is Rad that I mentioned before that uh, I'm super proud of. I've had you on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm dying to get you on. You, I'll do you're it. You're real busy. You're real good at having <laughs> all of the gigs. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we've been trying to get you. I'm real excited for that. But it's uh, basically people come on with a thing that they have enthusiasm for, and we talk about it, and we see what we can learn about a person. I love it. And about ourselves. It's super fun. Talking about that stuff. We've had uh, a ton of great people on. I would recommend, as a starter episode, uh, ha- the amazing Hampton Yount talking about family matters. Yeah. Because Hampton. it's maybe the hardest I've ever laughed is just us talking about fantastic. family matters for an hour straight. That guy's a fucking machine. And, and or we yeah. did a three-hour episode about animorphs, where we go through my friend and, and comedian Brent Schmidt's like life yeah. through the filter of his experiences with animorphs, and it yeah. was right as he was about to leave town to go spend time with a friend who was dying. Oh so boy! It's a a, a roller it's coaster a ride of emotions wow. <laughs> all through the filter of Animorphs, the children's uh, book series. That's amazing. Um, great. So people can just find that yeah. on iTunes. Yes, that's on the mm-hmm. iTunes, and then those other spots. I, I also am the obnoxious laugh in the back, and the uh, guy on the intros for the Nerdist podcast. So yeah. that's a thing where you could hear me if you're like that show needs a plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that show is really struggling. And then people should come out to Stonecutters LA. Absolutely. And you have a new show at uh, Nerd Mountain. I do Retro called Retro Rad. Rad that Julia was just pacing back and forth in the background yep. giving real time notes on. I I wasn't <laughs> real time notes. Uh, it was more, you have a trivia component of yes. your show. And you were struggling. It's part, and, and I love I, the 80s part win Ben Stein's money. Yeah, the, you were struggling with an answer. And I think I just shouted, come on, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> it was, come on. It was, it worked. Yeah, I wasn't was heckling. 
let's say. Um, yeah. Oh, that that was kind of in a Mr. Burns voice, which reminds me of in this episode. He's just like, and you laughed at me for buying Ticketmaster. Ticket <laughs> it's, it's perfect people for the rich and the ignorant. People 100% surcharge. Yeah. Uh, Allie, where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, people can find me uh, dying in a ditch from this cold. Uh, oh, no. Uh, at least and, dying in a bed. Uh, live tweeting it at Allie Gertz uh, <laughs> and AllieGertz.com. As long as you're live tweeting it, then it's art. <laughs> and where can people find you, Julia? At Julia Prescott on all the things. And then you can find us at Simpsons Pod and everything's coming at podcast at gmail.com. Uh, kick us a dollar on uh, Patreon slash Simpsons Pod and tune in next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. We are-